Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So we would show you those three moves, whether it was the skank, the pogo, the whack jack. It's like a jumping jack, but it's whack. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Live Through That. I'm Mike Hipple, and on this podcast, we'll dig a little deeper into a pivotal moment into the lives of some of the artists I feature in my book, Live Through That. You can get yourself a copy of the book now and use promo code PODCAST15 to get 15% off. You can find the link on the main page of this podcast. Today, we've got a great story from Hilkin Mancini from the band Fuzzy. If you're not sure who they are, you should immediately go check them out after you listen to this podcast. Maybe start with their songs Flashlight and Glad Again and dig deeper from there. Here's Hilkin with her story of how she helped found the Girls Rock Camp in Boston. Okay, so the basically the question is, you know, if there was like a turning point in my life, and I mean, being 51 years old, I have like a couple, but I think the main one was that I had created this anti-exercise class called Punk Rock Aerobics. Hey everybody, this is Hilkin coming at you with another edition of my Punk Rock Aerobics at Home series. Punk Rock Aerobics is the original DIY workout we created 20 years ago that will have you kicking out the jams like there's no tomorrow. As we all know, exercise, it makes us feel better, fast. So let's never mind the buttocks and get moving. Myself and Maura Jasper, she was a visual artist and I was more a musician. We were a great team um, and we started it kind of as a joke, but whole concept was you know a space for people to feel comfortable with their bodies no matter what they look like or if they had any exercise you know experience whatever so we did them in DIY spaces you know no mirrors dark lighting we'd have like guest DJs whether they were local musicians and you know health classes in New York and we ended up start it was kind of as a joke you know this concept of, you know, we would go to an exercise class if the music didn't suck. I put a picture of myself and Maura up, sort of like a Wayne's World-ish, but female photograph of us spinning. And I was like, you know, who knows if Black ever actually do this. She lived in New York City at the time and I lived in Boston. But anyways, to make sort of a long story short, it took off and before you knew it, we were in Rolling Stone, we are on VH1. Um, Newsweek, it was ridiculous. And honestly, you know, it's still exercise. So we didn't have a ton of people coming to this class. But when we were holding them in New York City at CBGB's and had like Mike Watt DJ, 
you know, we came up with original moves called the pogo, which isn't original at all, obviously, but we were just stealing from moves that kids did in the pit. And we do like the circle jog and name it after obviously a play on the circle jerks, you know, so it was just really fun. It was tongue in cheek. And so we would show you those three moves, whether it was the skank, the pogo, the whack jack, it's like a jumping jack, but it's whack. Um, and honestly, it was a way to get people moving and comfortable in their bodies and have a sense of humor. And um, it was like humor infused athletic freak scene. So by the time we started doing these classes in New York, I had a friend who was working at Universal from my days of being in a rock band, you know, a signed 90s rock band. And um, we were thinking, well, we should find a similar mission match. So let's reach out to organizations that are for the misfit or for people disenfranchised with status quo, people trying to make a change in the world. We found the Rock and Roll Camp for Girls had founded, they started the same year we did, which was 2000, 2001, when, we, when I bought the domain. So when we reached out to them, they, of course, we were like, sure, you guys are fun and funny and a similar mission match. STS, who was running the rock and roll camp for girls in Portland, Oregon, had said, well, you should come out here and do punk rock aerobics at our camp. And I was like, yeah, whatever. I'm not going to Portland, Oregon, because first of all, I have no money. This is the other side of the story is that Punk Rock Aerobics never made money. We did get a book deal. And, but I mean, honestly, it was very much like a band. You know, you'd like take the Fung you borrow gear, meaning we would get bricks from the Home Depot. You know, we tried to keep it super DIY. But so I didn't have any money. I never did, though. I mean, obviously, I'm not very monetarily driven because I'm just doing music and ideas and shit. So I was sort of, you know, saying, well, that would be great, but I'm not going to fly to Portland, Oregon and jump up and down. And when I'm thinking camp, because it was called the rock and roll camp for girls, I'm thinking literally of like, it's a campsite. Because <laughs> I didn't understand completely what they were doing. I mean, I understood the mission, obviously. And I was thinking, there might be like nine girls. I don't know. I'm like, maybe there's like 15 pushing at 18 girls you know, forming a band and they're camping an overnight camp. I don't, I don't know what I envisioned, you know, I was just thinking like, it's a small camp. So when she wrote me back, she said, no, 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 we'll fly you out here. We'll put you up. We'll feed you. You know, you'll, you'll have the whole thing and then you can run it in our morning assemblies. So I'm like, all right, I'll do it. They got me a place to stay. It wasn't a hotel, but it was like a friend's house. And then I was like, oh, I'll stay with Christina. And so they bought me a plane ticket. I get there. And I couldn't believe what was going on. It was a really big building. I think it was on Martin Luther King Boulevard in Portland, Oregon. And there are 80 kids a session. I was completely blown away. First of all, by the fact that they had filled this building. All of the women volunteering were amazing um, people. They're just, you know, going above and beyond for these kids. And just the whole feeling was transformative for me, just seeing all of these women supporting each other and then supporting this youth and 
all these bands that they were forming and, you know, the drum circle. And it was like, I guess how a kid would feel about Disney World, <laughs> you know, because I walked into this building and it was all women and all girls and all youth. And they were all supporting each other and teaching each other how to be strong. And I guess the whole feeling that I had always missed and I didn't actually, in Boston, I felt extremely supported by women. Um, I was in a band with another woman and she and I were like sisters and we toured with a lot of Boston bands that had women in it. So I didn't feel like a competitive edge with women. And I was so into it and I just completely fell in love with the place that I just became a full, like I just went back there every summer and would volunteer and became obsessed with the idea of starting one in Boston. I decided I will just make one happen in Boston. I just have to figure out how to do this. And um, I figured Boston to me was sort of a sister city to a lot of West Coast, like the way Portland felt. I felt like you should make a plane, I guess more or less more and then Boston proper, even though JP is Boston proper, but the, the area that I live in, it's a lot of, um, it's just not, it wasn't at the time, I should say, gentrified. There's a lot of queer people, a lot of support. So I felt like JP was a perfect place. I could put it in the community center. I just needed help. And so I made it happen with someone I met there who was from Boston and with some seed money from the same person who helped me with punk rock aerobics. And it just completely changed my life. You know, you become very self-centered as you get older because you just, I mean, even if you have a partner, if you don't have kids, it's hard to separate sometimes from the me, myself, and I. And I didn't have kids. I just didn't have that opportunity. And so I felt like I had all these guitar apps. I had all these guitars from touring in the 90s and buying cool stuff because it was pre-eBay. So, you know, you could find great shit in the 90s if you were in, like, Birmingham, Alabama, you know. So I felt like I suddenly was like, wow, I can share this with youth. I can help other to help empower them so that they could feel whatever they represented, you know, if they wanted to be girly or they wanted to like, didn't want to crew cut or they wanted to wear like all plant, whatever you wanted to be was awesome. And whatever sound you wanted to make was awesome. And I just wanted to support youth and be able to do that in Boston. And I felt like I knew so many amazing women from the nineties, whether it was Tanya Donnelly, Juliana Hatfield, Jen Trinan, um, Gail um, from L7, Shauna from the Swirlies, and Mary, Mary from Helium, and Joan from the Dam Builders. And I mean, I could go on and on and on. And I just was, why don't we get all these women together and support all this youth? I feel like one of the, one of the wonderful things about Girls Rock is that you don't really realize how special it is at first. This is Elise Poniatowski, who attended Girls Rock Camp Boston when it first started in 2010 when she was just nine years old. She continued as a camper until she was 17. She's a junior in college now. So, you know, I, I was nine years old. I didn't really, I, I mean, I didn't know what feminism was at all. And I, I didn't know what self-esteem was. You know, I, I, I didn't know what any of those concepts were completely. And when you are given this opportunity to be raised in a place where 
you're going to be supported and and surrounded by like-minded people and you know told time and time again that you're allowed to take up space especially you know as a young woman and um, it it's really really impactful in a way that you don't realize when you're younger and I have this memory of you know I, I think I must have been 15 or 16 and it was the first time that I cried at one of Hilkin's speeches. She does these um, morning and afternoon like rallying speeches where she like gets us all hyped up about, you know, women's empowerment and stuff like that. And I had heard them a million times. I've been going every year, you know, for, for how many years. And all of a sudden for the first time I was hearing her and I, and I was actually understanding what she was saying to me. And it just made me cry. And since that year, I think I was 15 or 16, then I cried like every year at camp. Um, there's really just nothing, I don't know, nothing like the kind of support that is fostered in that community. Stop thinking about me, myself, and I. Stopped writing songs or caring about putting out another record, even though I still freaking did it. But you know what I mean? I didn't have to worry about, you know, punk rock aerobics. Like, what am I going to do next? I was like, I am going to make this nonprofit happen for youth. And it changed my life. And it made me, by empowering youth, empowered myself to feel like I could take on any challenge. Thank you, Hilkin, for such a great story. Be sure to check out her band, and if you're in Boston, visit her vintage store, the 40 South Street Vintage Shop. And without further ado, here are some of Hilkin's recommendations to get yourself inspired. Lucinda Williams was someone that I always was like really inspired by because she got a gold record at 40. And I just went to go see her play about two years ago. I think it was, no, it might've been more than that, but whatever, it doesn't matter. But I was always um, impressed with the way she wrote songs using at the same time, you know, thinking about tempo and, you know, tuning or whatever. But at the same time, I loved it when I would read an article about her where she'd be like, she was one of those people that didn't have to be being and living her life a certain way. Like she's just driving her truck around. She's like not married and doesn't give a shit. And like, she's doing what she wants to do. And um, I just loved seeing her play. I like, I, I just felt like very inspired by the fact that as an older woman and as a musician, she just kept writing and kept working and kept driving her truck around and like doing what she wants to do. Plus she has that song, Look What You Love lost when you left this world this sweet old world sometimes that song will come on my playlist not like the commercialized version because you know some people cover her songs but her original versions of these songs that are really sad but it's just I think about some people who couldn't handle for some reason Jenna Rollins and John Cassavetes really inspired me their films and them as a couple because I'm I'm really good as a as like a team, like I work well with people and I like the fact that they made so many films together and they were like husband and wife. 
I, I don't know why I love Jenna Rollins and like what she represented, like the mystique of New York City and who she was and that she made these really interesting films with her spouse or her partner. And I just feel like I've had a lot of partners like my whole life. Everything I've done was with someone that I loved and believed in. And like, whether it was the song Flashlight that I wrote with Chris Toppin, like her and I, we wrote this song that was, you know, like just, you know, I always have partners, like what I did with Nora with a rock and roll camp for girls. And like what I do with my spouse now, like we did the punk rock aerobics videos together. They inspire me. And they were one of the first couple teams that I ever like as a little girl liked and looked up to. Um, well, this might sound silly, but Sun Ra is like really inspiring to me because I went to an exhibit when I was in Philly and it was this, his exhibit about his life. And I loved so many things about it. I love the fact that he came up with his own look and the outfits and the hat. I love that he pressed his own records. He had his own label. He was like so punk. I love that he left New York because New York was too hard and he went to Philly. I like that he was such a leader and a musician and Space is the Place. It's just one of those songs where it's just like, I could listen to it and be like, it's so true. Like you can create your own space. It doesn't matter where you do your thing. You can do your thing anywhere. Cause so many of my friends like moved to New York and LA after we all got out from our record labels in the nineties. And like, I didn't, and I felt like maybe I was a loser, but I believe that you could create your own space wherever you are and be a leader. And to me, he was the ultimate leader as a musician as an individual, as an idealist, like these concepts that he came up with and what he created. Number four, um, I really love Eileen Miles. I saw Eileen Miles, she's a poet, um, or they're a poet, sorry. And I saw them perform in the 90s at my friend's gallery that is actually right next to my store. Um, and I just remember being confused about who they were and they were so mysterious and also androgynous. I'm having a hard time writing a song. If I open up one of Eileen's books, I can write a song just from reading one of their poems. Um, I just think Eileen Miles is a shit. The way they look, their poems, the way they live their life. I don't know. I'm just sort of slightly obsessed and really interested in them from way back when I saw them read in the 90s at my friend Patty's gallery. And then I thought it was crazy that I was really into the uh, TV show Transparent and then that they were an inspiration for one of the characters. And I don't know, so I've always been really inspired by Eileen. Also from Boston. I love Boston people that have like made it. Or like, you know, you think like, oh, I'm gonna go to a poetry reading and this person's gonna be like really precious about their work. And like, it was sort of rock and roll and like dirt ass in a way, the way Eileen was just like reading in this like little gallery. And I just, it changed the way I thought about poetry and thought of it as being more like punk rock versus being like, oh, I'm reading an E.E. E. Cummings poem. You know what I mean? <laughs> it didn't have to be as precious. Okay, well, number five is kind of, um, I mean, once again, it's a person, but I don't know. I have two people left. It's so hard to pick. So one of them is Suzanne Farrell of the Balanchine Ballet. And I have to say, like, I was a dance major at the Boston Conservatory before I, like, started music and singing and playing rock and roll music. I mean, I wanted to move to Boston because there were so many cool bands out of Boston. But I really also moved to Boston because I could study dance. So I was really into ballet as a young girl. 
But Suzanne Farrell was one of the top New York City ballet dancers. But she was really weird. She was really unruly. And as a dancer, she was out of control. Like you could see her lose herself in her body in a way that it, a, a lot of dancers that do classical dance didn't. And it was almost scary. Like she was about to, like you would think, oh my gosh, she's gonna fall. And like, or, you know, it was just really um, free and freeing. And for me as a young dancer, I thought, you know, you had to be perfect. And I think with art, to me, that was like the most important thing with everything after that, that I saw that I loved was that it was almost about to fall apart. Like it was almost on the verge of not keeping it together. And that's why it was so emotional and so beautiful to me. And she as a dancer was so expressive and it was on the verge of falling apart the way she danced that it inspired me to do everything that way. Like take it as far as you can, whatever it is and let it almost fall apart because then it's gonna be really good, you know? I really think that I loved Abby Lincoln and I was thinking a lot about Abby Lincoln because one of the first songs when this whole COVID shit happened was her song, The World Is Falling Down, Hold My Hand. It's such a good song. She was married to Max Roach and is this really interesting, you know, vocal jazz singer. And she just was an activist as well. She was a civil rights activist, like in the 60s. And she just made a career out of like delivering really deeply felt presentations of these classic standards. She also let her hair go natural before a lot of women, women of color did that. Um, and she was like in a paper about it, I think. There's like an article about like Abby Lincoln letting her hair go natural, which is ridiculous. <laughs> I remember seeing something like looking back um, on an article about her, but she was married to Max Roach and she just was like an amazing jazz singer and continued to do amazing delivery of classic standards in like weird ways and wrote some great original songs. And I had that song and still do when COVID happened, the world is falling down. Hold my hand, hold my hand, hold my hand, hold my hand. Also be sure to check out my book, Live Through That, available everywhere now. You can find out more about what Hilkit is up to these days as well as about 40 other artists. And if you like this show, please subscribe and go give us a five-star rating and review. Uh, we'll have new episodes out every Tuesday. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. 
That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 